um, I think I've emotionally, I'm just going to share this with you, do things in the last six weeks harder than I've ever had in ministry. And, um, and just things facing and dealing with whatever all the issues has been probably the hardest six weeks, seven weeks in our life in ministry. And, um, and I know some of you this morning, you're battling, you're struggling. You're not the only one that battles. You're not the only one that struggles. You're not the only one that doubts. You're not the only one that has unbelief sometimes. Begin to hear and you begin to wonder why. But I'm going to tell you this. In spite of your emotions, in spite of your fear, in spite of failure, anything else, there is only one answer. Always has been. Always will be. And that will never change. You may leave and go a different direction and abandon your faith and, and enter into things you never thought possible in, in your life. But I'm telling you, the only place you're ever going to find direction is at the foot of the cross. It's just where it happens. It's just where it changes. It's just the thing that makes all the difference. And, and if, if you think the pastor's got all the answers, well, if you're around me very long, you'll find out that's obviously not the truth. And so this morning I'm going to talk to you about um, the power of the Egyptians. I'd like you to go in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Exodus in chapter 3. Exodus in chapter 3. <clears throat> the power of the Egyptians. <clears throat> the power of the Egyptians, chapter 3. In this particular passage, we, there were some things that went on and how the Jewish people became uh, captive to the Egyptians is through the descendants of, of, uh, of Joseph's family, Jacob's offspring. And as he had all these children, they began to live there. And you know the, the, the story of the life of Joseph and how all the, all the brothers came there and Jacob came, their family, and they just settled in, in the boundaries of Egypt. And they began to multiply and they were blessed and their numbers grew. So the Egyptians began to oppress them and took them into to a, I guess you would say, a, a bondage, and they became slaves. But the power of the Egyptians in your life, the bondage that always limits you. I'm going to ask, you know, I, I speak so often about, about God's purpose and His direction in our life because I feel like so many of us have went to church for so long, we've, we haven't tapped in and we've never really experienced what really God initiated in our life from the beginning. Uh, I look around the room and I know so many of you so well, there are, there are things that I know of your past that would have always limited you from ever being who God has called you to be. And I'll ask you a question. Have you ever felt like there was something different? Have you ever felt like there was something more to your life than just existing, making money, having a family? There was just something more. And a lot of people get to that place that they, they feel that, but they don't know where to go with it. They don't know what comes after that. So they just kind of go through life flailing around, getting involved in this and having this and getting involved in that and having that with never really finding the depth and the purpose of who they really are. And a lot of times we in our own little world or our 70 years or 80 years or 90 years, we become captive to the Egyptians. Things that we become conditioned to and we get bound into these things and we learn to live in this bondage. The bondage always limits you. And I heard that statement or I thought it or something a few weeks ago. When I begin to think about bondages, bondages always limit you from what you can be. In the army they had a slogan, be all that you can be. If you have a bondage in here this morning of any sort, it will always limit you from being who you're supposed to be or what you could be. Because it is a bondage. It's something that ties your hands. It's something that 
mastermind. It's something that binds you to whatever it may be. And I'm going to go over a lot of things here in a few minutes about things that we become bound to. But whatever you're bound to, as long as they remain, you will have, they will always have a lot of charge over everything in your life. Anything that has a stronghold on you will always hinder you from living how you really want to live. So in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7, and the Lord, to- and the Lord said, Honey, remind me to get stronger glasses this week. All right, the Lord didn't say that, I said that. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of the people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by my reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. And I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land with a good, with a good land, to a good land and a large and a land flowing with milk and honey. And to a place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And you may wonder, why would he want to take him to all these places? So I begin to think, Lord, why would you make mention to Moses about all these other nationalities? Because Moses, Moses was educated above and beyond most of the Jews. He knew things that were going on in the world that they didn't. He was raised in Egypt, that's where he was educated. He grew up in the Pharaoh's house, so he knew all the affairs of other nations and the interaction of them in trade and in markets. But as he knew those things, he knew his people, the Hebrews, were bound into a place of slavery. And what's going on in their life? What could possibly change with them? And as he looked at them and as God began to speak to them where he would go and what they would do, he began to really speak into his life that they would be like other nations. They would begin to flourish. They won't be stuck in the place that they've always been for many years. But they would begin to flourish like the Amorites and the Hittites. They will have purpose and they will have a position other than just slavery. Because like it or not, every one of us at some point in our life, we begin to deal with things that we feel like this is all that will ever happen. Because I was there. I've been there. And many of you still are. And sometimes I enter back into that place in my mentality at times. But this is what happens in life. And this is where I want to go. Everybody needs a Moses. Everybody needs someone who's an intervener. Everybody needs someone who's, who does intervention. Everybody needs someone who's the revealer of dreams bigger than you have in your, own, in your own self. We all need a Moses. We all need somebody to speak to us in a way that only he can. Moses is one that had experienced it, but he didn't want to. Everyone needs a Moses, a deliverer, somebody with vision who can see God and his provision completely different than those who are currently in Egypt. Because could you imagine this morning in America, if we had a politician that stepped up like the Antichrist will be at some point, and he began to say, folks, we're about to have a, a leader, a, a political leader that everyone is going to embrace. Everyone is going to embrace. Everyone's going to feel the decision, the great effects of his leadership. Everybody would look at each other and we would say, if he's a politician, you can put the rest of it with it if you want to. But we wouldn't believe it. But Moses is someone who began to speak to these people, and he said, I'm going to bring something. God's going to bring you out of this with a purpose and something that's greater than anything you ever could have imagined. <clears throat> what bondage am I packing around on my back? What bondage is in my life that is, oftentimes when I mention bondages, we instantly go to things that are horrible. But friend, anything that hinders you, anything, anything, is a bondage. You may not have been there for 450 years, but let me ask you, 
Are you carrying on the same attributes of your grandfather, your grandmother, or your mother, or your grandfather? Is the same thing going on in your life now that you've always seen before? That is a bondage. And it's something that will always dominate and will always hinder you. So I just wrote a few things down. What is my Egyptian? What is the thing that's, that's destroying my life and what is hindering me? Why is it I can't have peace in anything? And everything that I have peace in, it's short-lived. It never seems to last. So I begin to think, what are the things that becomes an Egyptian in our life? The first one I wrote down was poor money management. Because to be honest with you, I know there's a lot of poor money management in this building. I know a lot of you have multiple credit cards maxed out. And you have all this debt and all these things. And I'm not saying that you're, it's a sin to have some debt because, as my father told me when we first got married, Dwight, if you don't enter into some debt, you'll never have things. That's just the way it is. You've got to figure it out and, and borrow and start doing things differently so you will have something. But there's a lot of us in this room that are miserable financially because of decisions we made. And, friend, that is a bondage. You can't shake it. It's always there. It's ever present before you. It's always eating at you. It dominates your mind. So the first one is finances. The next one is anger. Oh, my goodness. Anger is, is something that's often hidden, but it's so obvious when, when things go wrong or something begins to bring up your past, that anger begins to swell back up. Resentment is the next one. Unforgiveness, the inability to move past the thing that has happened. Here's one that we don't think as a bondage, but it is. You're too quick to speak. You always think your opinion matters. You always think your response or your retaliation to something matters. There's a message I spoke, and many of you are familiar with it, a couple of so years ago, and it was this, WAIT. Acronym for, why am I talking? Why am I talking? Oftentimes, we have a problem with that. It always gets us in trouble. Instead of it bringing peace, it only brings more turmoil. Why am I talking? My appearance is my problem. I don't like the way I'm built. I don't like the way my hair is or lack of it. I don't like my, I wish I could grow a man beard. I can just grow a little bit of chin hair. You know, see these guys, these big beards. And I don't know why that makes some guys feel more masculine, but it does. And, and so, I mean, you can have a good beard. That's great, guys. But the thing is, it's not what makes you, but some guys want more beard. Some guys want more brawn. Some ladies want this, they want that, and they're never content where they are. And so it always hinders you. You never look good enough. You're never prepared good enough. Your, your shape or your hair or whatever it is, you never have what somebody else has. And it always hinders you. It's another thing on your back. Hatred from the past or present. You're lonely. You feel helpless. You've got fear all over you. You deal with regrets all the time because what you did wrong in your past, that's your Egyptian. It's eating you up. Your pride is an issue. The next one is one I refer to all the time, but my addiction is my issue. And we talk about addictions a lot because, like it or not, it's a reality more than it's ever been in America or anywhere on the earth. Addictions control us, but what is my source? How do I get out of this? Well, you need a Moses. You need a deliverer, and it's definitely not the pastor, but it's the one who is on the cross. I'm a runner. I run from everything. How about this? I'm a compulsive complainer. I complain about everything. One of these hit you. Some of you, your wife hit you. Some of you, your husband looked at you. Here's the thing, any of these things will be an Egyptian to you. And it will bind you and it will keep you right where you are because of pride or for whatever the reason is, it will always hold you back from who you're supposed to be. I believe with everything in my heart that there was a plan when you were conceived, when you were born. Exodus 13, if you have your Bibles, Exodus 13. 
and I believe it's still true today as it was in, in Genesis chapter 1. There was a purpose. And at the end of the book, I believe there's a purpose in our lives today as well. So chapter 13, verse 21. How many of you in here ever got tired of your parents uh, telling you what to do? Anybody? You ever get tired of it? And you have a variety of reasons why you get tired of it, but some of you get tired of it because you thought you knew more than them. Some of you get tired of it because they were exhausted. They never shut up. They never got off your back. They nagged you nonstop. They were always something. They had to add something. It didn't matter how good you were doing. They were always on the negative side, just the way they functioned. And let me tell you that everything gets old sometimes. You go to chapter 13. I want you to look at two verses, and I think this is going to make some sense to you. And the Lord went before them, and, and in the day, in the pillar of, of cloud, and led them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire, and he gave them light to go by day and night. And he took not away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now I begin to think about when we get frustrated in life, a lot of times we begin to get sick of the order. We begin to get sick and a little bit rebellious. So that's why I begin to write down. Fire by day and cloud by night. Why can't God just trust me to make my own decision? Why can't my spouse just trust me? Why can't my parents just trust me? Why is it we have to be there? Why is it we have this rule? We have these boundaries. Why are they always there? Because sometimes we get cloud of the day. The, we get tired of the cloud of day. And we get tired of the fire by night. How many of you have ever preached that before? I never have. But the reality is this. We all have our battles and we all have our struggles. And there's times that we begin to think that we have better answers without God influencing our answers. And we begin to question why things are the way they are and why they turned out the way they did. What an amazing way to lead us. But it's so easy to see his, to see his direction and his provision. But sometimes we get tired of the cloud. Sometimes we get tired of the pillar of fire by night. But sometimes we get used to things. Sometimes the light doesn't seem so bright anymore. And sometimes the cloud is just routine. Are you with me? You see, here's the thing. <clears throat> if you don't learn to every day to pursue Him and understand His role in your life, it won't take long until that cloud becomes to be not so important in your life. It won't take long that that fire won't burn as bright as it once did because now you're beginning to think in your own ability. You know, I've licked this. I got past my past, and, and Jesus has saved me. My life has changed, but I'm getting kind of used to coming to church. It's not that important if I go. It's not that important if I enter into worship. It's not that important that I enter into teaching or, or try to embrace it. I've kind of got there. Are you with me? Because we get used to the cloud. Because it's always there. We get used to the pillar of fire because it's always there. And for some reason, when we get used to things, we begin to what? Not appreciate them. Over the years, how many times have I watched people who once were so grateful for all that has taken place and all that Christ has done, and I am in the middle of it as well as anyone, that I begin to unappreciate the greatness on which he has moved in my life and the grace that he's shown me, and I begin to take it for granted, or maybe you begin to take it for granted. My failures and your failures will always occur when we get too used to the cloud. My failures and your failures will always begin to reoccur when you start valuing that cloud and that fire at night. You may wonder, what's that all about? 
whenever the Jews were coming out of Egypt and they were going through the desert in the daytime, God had a cloud and they followed. Everywhere it went, it's where they went. At nighttime, the fire always represented his presence, the cloud and the pillar of fire by night. But it always gave them direction. But when you begin to get disgruntled with it and you begin to get this unappreciative of what God has done in your past, I'm telling you, things are about to go bad in your life. In the book of Romans, in chapter 1, Romans 1. I'm just going to read one verse here in verse 21. It says this. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. If there's anything that you and I have to do as, as an American... But even more so as a believer is be grateful. Oh my goodness. I watch us and I watch people fade. I watch them I watch them a variety of things take place because they're no longer grateful for what has happened. I am grateful for so many things. But how can God continue to work in your life, in my life, or this church if we are not grateful for what he has done? We base it all on, on the cloud or the fire, and we're used to it, and we begin to base things on things that we really shouldn't be. We're not grateful, and that always produces vain thinking, if you read the rest of that verse. The last place we're going to go is to the book of Genesis in chapter 26. <clears throat> Genesis 26. Verse 34. And Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Barry the Hittite, and Bashemath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite. Verse 35. Which were grief of mind unto Isaac and Rebekah. You may wonder, well, what's the big deal? <clears throat> Here's the big deal. You will always have things happen that are discouraging. It's just going to happen. Nothing in life is always going to weigh you had planned the way you thought it would. But the problem is when we begin to get discouraged, when we begin to face very rough things, we begin to get tired of the cloud and the fire because we think, well, why did that happen and why did this happen? And I don't understand that. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. You know, I just read one little short portion of chapter 26. Now, we're going to backtrack a little bit and read a little bit more in the same chapter. Verse 21 through 25 says, <clears throat> And they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence, and he digged another well. For that they strove not. And he called the name of that one Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And went up from thence into Beersheba, and the Lord appeared unto him in the same night, and said, I am, the, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee, and I will bless thee, and will multiply thy seed 
for my servant Abraham's sake. And he built an altar there, and he called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there, and where Isaac's servants digged a well. And here's the deal, what was going on in this scenario. In the midst of Jacob's life, he went through battle after battle. Isaac, rather, and he had these issues here with digging wells, and they were constantly being overtaken by people who were previously there. So finally he gets to a place, and he digs a well, and it stays. Something good happened. Now, you may not think having a well was that important, but when you don't have water, you don't have a civilization. When you don't have well, you don't have a community. When you don't have fresh water, there is no life. It doesn't exist. So this is a big deal. Stay with me. There is a point in this as well. Isaac's life was complicated by manipulating wife and by sons that opposed each other. Peace wasn't always frequent, but although conflicts happen, also do great blessings with direction also happens. I'm going to read that again. Isaac's life was complicated by manipulating wife and sons that opposed each other. Peace wasn't frequent. And here's the thing about serving the Lord. If you're only going to serve him because everything's peaceful, then you've got a very immature relationship. Because there are things in life that are going to happen. And it doesn't mean that you quit when they get complicated. It means that you hang on even more. How many of you have ever felt like quitting? Running? I have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not just once. More than once. You see, when you get an Egyptian on your back, that Egyptian will tell you it's never going to change and things are always going to be the way they are. And if you're not careful this morning, I'll go back to another message. I almost believe the lie. If you'll believe it's always going to stay the same, that's the way to be. Some of you have things on your back that torment you day and night. And even in the midst of some great successes, sometimes you have a failure. Verse 32 says this. They came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well which they had digged. And he said unto them, and said unto him, We have found water. And he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba unto this day. You may think, well, what's the big deal? The next verse, it begins to tell him what his son done. And this morning, you may have had great victory. The past six months, you may have experienced things with God you never even knew he existed. You never even knew that he was relative. But because of some things in the past couple weeks or month, you've got discouraged and you're, you mean, you're, your bottom is dragging in the dirt. You don't know what's going to happen and how get through this because my life is so heavy now friend even in the midst of the dark times he is ever present he has never changed he has never worried he doesn't get so consumed about your emotions but he wants you to know who you base your relationship on it isn't upon your circumstances because our circumstances is the worst thing to base your relationship with him on because i'll be honest with you over the years if i based everything just on my circumstances I sure wouldn't be pastoring. I'd be doing something completely different. The last place we're going to go is, is in the book of Psalms in 37. Earlier I said the last place meant the last point. <clears throat> but we're almost done. Now some of you may think, well, he's preaching this because I talked to him this week. No. 
No, it would be easy if it worked that way, but it doesn't. Psalms chapter 37 and verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet have not seen the righteous forsaken, or his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and lendeth. And his seed is blessed. Your seed is blessed by how you live. Those that come after you are blessed according to how you establish your coming in and your going out. Friend, the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. I could just begin to name person after person after person in Scripture. That if there was anyone I would think it would be awesome to be like, I could mention them. But then I'd instantly think, yeah, but remember when they went through this? Remember what happened to Moses' sons? Remember what happened to Aaron's sons? Remember what happened to this? Remember what happened to that? What about Jonah? What about Paul? What about Peter? What about all the apostles besides John? They were either they were all murdered or martyred for some for different variety of ways they were. And I begin to think things go wrong. And you're in the middle of it right now. But when things go wrong, you're the only one who can determine the direction from the wrong. Wow, what an exciting message, I know. But the deal is, we've all been there. And some of you are there this morning. Came complaining things that were not beneficial. Things that were unbeneficial. Friend, I'm going to ask you to examine yourself this morning. If that cloud has gotten mundane and you got used to it, and the pillar of fire by night, you've got used to it. Got used to the manna every morning, got used to the quail, got used to everything that God's ever done that we no longer take Him and appreciate Him the way we should. If that's going on in your life this morning, I'm going to ask you to get honest with Him. They're going to get ready to play, and they're going to lead us in a, in a, in a closing, a closing course of some sort. Don't know where they're going, but I do know this. That friend, God has got your attention this morning for a reason. Because if you continue to walk in the way you are right now, the things that's went on externally in your life right now, it's not going to be beneficial. Father, I ask you this morning, I'd like you to bow your heads with me.